Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. AV out of Wi-Fi tonight. Look good so far? Oh, man, I think about the folks that are virtual. I know they keep their fingers crossed like, I hope it worked tonight. So it's working so, so far so good? Amen. Well, praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on this Thursday night. Good to be with you. And I look forward to getting into the word of the Lord tonight. Just a couple of quick announcements before we begin to pray. Don't forget tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Ladies, straight talk. Ladies, straight talk. As I mentioned before, if you are a milk drinker as a Christian, you don't want to come to this meeting. But if you are a meat eater as a Christian, you don't want to miss this meeting. So that's probably the best way I can tell you. If it's straight talk, it's for meat eaters. Right? Yeah. We're serving all kind of, you know, nice steaks tomorrow evening. And chicken. It's meat. Some people like pork. So I'm sure some pork will be around too. (laughs) Hallelujah. That's 7 p.m. tomorrow evening. Come out and be with us. Don't forget also Saturday morning uh, at 9 a.m. We are doing the second portion of our COVID vaccine clinic for those that need second injection. And they will still have the J&J if, so, if someone that's healthy and strong wants to get that one, one and done. Um, let them know that they can come tomorrow and get their Saturday and get their one and done. Um, and they won't have to worry about a second shot. So continue to put the word out there. And then Saturday evening at 4 p.m., we have our multicultural rally service in Jersey City, New Jersey. And we want you to come out. That's going to be an awesome time. Amen. New Jersey is one of the most diverse and cultural um, state in the union. Obviously, New York is and um, Florida is and California is. But right away, you think about those places, you know, they're really large, they're big, and their population is a whole lot. But for the population that we have in New Jersey, which is probably a little bit over 9 million, uh, we're packing a lot of different cultures in New Jersey. And so uh, New Jersey is a state 
where we want to reach every kind of um, uh, nationality and every culture. And they're all here in New Jersey. Um, what we said years ago, we had to send missionaries to countries all around the world to minister to them the gospel. But America itself has become a mission field because every culture and nationality has come to this place. And so a lot of them have come to New Jersey, to New York, down in Florida and California. And so America has become a strong mission field. So if for those of us that don't feel the call of going overseas to do missionary work, hopefully you will look around, look next door, look across the street, uh, look where you work, and you'll see it's a mission field because there's a whole lot of different nationality and cultures all around New Jersey. And the best thing about New Jersey that I feel like it's better than Florida, better than New York, and, and better than uh, California is New Jersey is the most densely populated state. So we're much more closer in proximity than those other states that have a lot of nationality and culture. So you got to spread out in those states to do the work in New Jersey is probably ne right next door. And so to reach the different nationality and culture, it's right in your backyard, right next door to you. And so let's do all we can to reach every race, every kindred, every tongue, every nationality, every kind of people because Christ died for people. Amen. And so that's Saturday at 4 p.m. The drive to Jersey City, hour 15, especially at that time of the day. That's one of the reasons why we had it at 4 p.m. is because we know that's probably a decent time for traffic. And so you shouldn't have to deal with a whole lot of traffic during that time. And we will not keep you all night. So invite somebody out. Come and um, interact with different culture, different nationality. And uh, let God use you to be a blessing. Amen. Let's stand together. Hallelujah. We're going to go before the Lord in prayer and ask him to help us in our Bible study tonight. Give us direction. And more than anything else, as I was praying pre-prayer, um, I feel like um, what we need to pray and ask the Lord is to teach us how to apply the knowledge that we receive from him. Teach us how to apply the knowledge that we receive because we come into the house of the Lord. We gather together. The word of God come forth. Um, some of it we might get. Some of it we might not get. Um, but the bottom line is what God wants from us is not just to be a hearer of the word only, but to be a doer of the word. But sometimes we just don't know how to do it. We, we hear it. it. It makes sense. It sounds right. But we don't know how to do it. And so that is, that is a, a good uh, 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 thought to take to the Lord when you pray. Say, Lord, I'm hearing it. I don't know how to apply it to my life personally. Will you show me, will you teach me how to apply the word of God in my life personally? Because that's what God wants from all of us. I always say in the scripture where it says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Down in verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh. And so, there's a lot of ways that you can look at that, but the way I always look at that 
is that God's word became um, visible. God's word became tangible. God's word became action. Right. And so if that's the case for him, that's the case for us. So when we get the word, when we're taught and and we're instructed in the word of God, we need now to figure out by the help of the Lord how to make his word visible in our life. Like, I hear you, God. I appreciate the word. But how do I make your word visible in my life? Just like your word became visible in the beginning. Right. So if you made your word become visible where people were able to now see what it looks like, as opposed to just hearing about it, I want to be able to do that, too, Lord. So as I live for you, teach me how to do that. So that's very important. And also, too, tonight, as you pray, I want you to pray for the Wyatt family. My biological father is very, very sick. And his body is shutting down by the hour, by the minute, by the second. And um, he's not eating and he's um, under a lot of medication. And so um, any minute, any moment, I can get the message that that's it. Um, the family that I have down in Florida, they FaceTime me quite a bit um, when they visit him, when they're around him. And we talk a lot. And I've seen him. I spoke to him this morning. Um, while I was on um, FaceTime and when I spoke to him, all he did was grunt before, you know, a few days ago when you speak to him, you know, you get an eye move, an eye open and close. Now it's a grunt. So, you know, it's going, it's getting worse and worse and worse. So, so pray for our family. Um, we need strength. Um, all of you that have lost loved ones. Um, I think the thing that, that probably you probably can identify to say you feel like you lost something personally out of you so even though they're separate from you and they're an individual on their own something you lose something from you from your life because that person is a part of you right so when they're no longer here or they're in that situation you feel like there's a part of you that's missing a part of you that's gone so all of you that have have loved one that you lost you kind of know what I'm saying. So, you know, that's just kind of how it go as you live your life. Um, the biggest thing, too, you don't understand how you, you know, people ask you how you're doing. And I, I learned to say now, I don't know. Because you really don't know. Because you're experiencing something that you really can't really articulate. You know, there's so much that's going on. You can't articulate it. So it's just like, just let me go through it. Let me see how I feel and how I come out on the other end of it. You don't know how to talk about it, how to express it, how to articulate it. You just don't. So you just kind of go with it and see what happens and where that takes you. So let's pray tonight and ask God to have his way. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're grateful and we're thankful for your word. We're grateful, Lord God, that we can come together one more time in this house. You are our God. You are our King. You are our Lord, our Savior, our Master, and our Ruler. Without you, Lord God, we are nothing. Without you, we can do nothing. And, oh God, I want you to know we understand that we're totally dependent upon you. You are the source of everything. And, God, without you working in our lives, without you sustaining us, without you giving us direction, Lord God, we don't know where to go. We don't know what to do. And we don't have the ability to, con to, to do anything, Lord. So tonight we've come, Lord, 
humbling ourselves before you and, oh God, surrendering our will, that your will may be our will. We want to be led of your spirit tonight. We don't want our flesh, Lord God, to have the rule over us, but we want the spirit of God to have the rule over us, Lord. In the name of Jesus Christ, we want your spirit, Lord, to overshadow us and to guide us, Lord God, in the ways that we must go. Tonight, Lord God, I pray that you will allow us to hear what the Spirit is saying unto us, Lord God. Let the Word of God not escape us, Lord. For God, we we need the Word of God to resonate with us, Lord. We don't just want to hear it, Lord God. We just don't want to have intellectual knowledge, Lord God. But God, as you reveal to us your Word tonight, will you teach us, O oh God, how to apply the word of God into our life, Lord God, that the word of God will truly, Lord God, take on, oh God, the works of God in our life, Lord, in the name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, have your way tonight, will you? I pray, Lord, that you'll stir up the gift inside of us. I pray, almighty God, that you will have your way and that the gifts of the Spirit will operate in our service tonight, Lord God. Let the works, the power of the Holy Ghost be manifested in this house tonight, Lord God. Have your way, sweet Jesus, for we will praise you. We will magnify your name. We will worship you and adore you. You are our King. You are our Lord. You are our Master. And, oh God, it's in you that we put all of our confidence and our hope is in you, Lord God. Have your way, sweet Jesus. Will you move in this place in a miraculous way? Will you move in this place like never before? And for those, oh God, that have joined us together tonight virtually, will you move on them in a miraculous way? Will you help them, Lord, to apply the word of God in their life, Lord God, that we will walk in the Spirit and we will walk after the spirit and not give over ourselves unto the flesh Lord. Oh God have your way tonight as we praise you as we honor you in this place. We want your will to be done. Not our will but your will to be done tonight Lord. We pray and ask that you hear our cry. Hear our heart. Hear us tonight Lord as we call on your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Have your way in this house tonight. Pour out of your spirit upon us tonight, Lord God. In the name of Jesus Christ. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. 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 Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Thank you for praying with me. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Amen. We're doing all we can to prepare ourselves to hopefully undertake a new building. Today, we heard from um, the realtor, and she said, send to the attorneys, we have another offer. I shake my head. I said, Lord. I can't, I can't, Lord. 
I just, I, you know, in my flesh, I said, Lord, if, if this don't come through, I don't have the energy to keep on looking like this, Lord. I, that's just how I felt. As I said, I said, Lord, if this don't work, where are we going to get the energy to keep on going? This is not easy. I mean, we want to focus on doing your will. And, uh, you know, putting all of our energy and efforts to try to obtain a building is no joke. And so I just said, Lord, this is up to you because there's nothing I can do. We are totally dependent upon you. And so just keep praying. I don't know what's going to happen. We made an offer. Um, They did a counter. And so we're putting in another offer. Amen. And so the, the, the first offer was lease to purchase. And then the landlord came back and said, hey, I'll work with you guys if you'll just go straight purchase. I said, I didn't know you was going to work with us on straight purchase. I thought you needed us to show some proof or something. But the landlord had said, that seller had said that if we will just do an agreement to purchase only, he will give us the time allotted uh, to obtain the use variance. And so we'll see how it goes. There's a whole lot of stuff going on, so. We'll just trust the Lord to do what he does. And if he doesn't do it, then it wasn't meant to be. That's all I can tell you. I can't even get myself worried about that. I just know it, it takes a lot of energy. And, and my old deal is, Lord, I put a lot of time into this, you know, um, trying to get that moving. And I'd rather spend the time doing other things for the Lord as opposed to going back and forth with attorneys and sellers and buildings and stuff. You know what I mean? <laughs> Uh, but I can probably hear the Lord. You do it for your job, don't you, Wayne? Yeah, I do it for my job, Lord, and you you train me on everything. So even though I, I know how I feel, but I know what I will do. I know how I feel. And right now I said, Lord, if this don't come through, I certainly don't want to do nothing else. I just want it to come be plapped in our lap. Like if, if this don't come through, then then you just got to just put it in our lap. That's what I, That's how I feel. But I know I can't do that. I can't do it. I just got to keep on doing what the Lord wants. So we'll see. I know this. The devil is not happy. Um, and he won't be happy for us to go and obtain a property where we can really do the work of God. So he's working too. Hallelujah. Let's get into the word of God. Galatians chapter 5 verse number 16. Galatians chapter 5 verse number 16. We'll read Read verse 16 and 17 and go from there. Amen. Galatians chapter 5. We've been talking a lot about being led of the spirit and we will stay in that same vein tonight. We're going to talk a little bit more about, well, not led by the spirit, but tonight we're going to talk about walk in the spirit. Okay. So one is being led by the spirit and we talked about that for the past couple of weeks. Tonight we're going to talk about walk in the spirit. Galatians chapter 5 verse 16 says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary, the one to the other, so that ye cannot do the things that ye would walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And really, when we're talking about our sins, it's usually our flesh 
that causes us to sin. I was talking to our leadership the other day, last night, and I was telling them that in the Bible, there is, when you read the scriptures and it says power, it talks about power. There's two kinds of power that the Bible talks about, and one is exousia power, and the other is deutimus power. Deutimus power is talking about force, miraculous power. It can be destructive and violent, or it can be gentle but powerful. That's deutimus power, okay? But exousia power is authority, authority. So as you being given authority by God to execute whatever you need to execute, it's like God saying, okay, here is the authority to do blah, 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 blah. And so when we understand the difference between the two, we get to understand what we have power to do on our own and what we need God to do for us. And one of the things that we discover that God has given us authority to do is to pray for sick. We have authority to pray in a commanding, in a in a in a in a in our authoritative way. Because God has given us authority over sickness and also demons. So we can pray authoritatively against demons and sickness and disease because God has given us that. He says, I give you power over. So he said, I give you authority over it. But Deuteronomy's power, only God has that and only he works that. Nobody can give that. Only God decide how he wants to work his power in us and through us. He has authority over the Deuteronomy's power. But he has given us some exousia power to rule over demons and, and, and over sickness and disease. He says you can utilize that authority that I've given you. And so when you understand that, you understand that he says, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And what happens is the Holy Ghost power, when we receive the Holy Ghost, we are equipped with dunamis power, force, ability to not have the flesh to rule over us. There is a war going on within spirit-filled, born-again Christians. The flesh and spirit desires different things. And the believer must decide who will rule or govern his or her life. There's a war going on. If you are doing your best or you're doing what you can, or maybe not even that, but you want to live for God, and you're born again of the water and of the spirit. There's a war going on inside you. Because as long as you're walking in your flesh, your flesh desires something different from what the spirit of God desires. So as long as you're in this flesh, you're going to always have desires of the flesh. The lust of the flesh means the inordinate motion of the corrupt nature. So your flesh 
represents a corrupt nature. That don't sound good, huh? I'll go on a little bit more. The flesh does not consider what is right and what is good. It desires or considers what is pleasing to your senses. And it crave it, its satisfaction with much earnestness to the wrong and damaging things for our soul. So just take this to the bank and understand. Your flesh, your human nature, it is driven by the senses, what it desires from what it senses, what it craves. And it will always crave the things that are contrary to the things of God. Now you understand why we got a lot of trouble trying to be Christians? Because you can't get rid of the flesh. Long as you in this earth, can't get rid of the flesh. Now you understand why, one of the many reasons why you need the power, deutimous power of the Holy Ghost dwelling in you. Because you cannot handle that flesh without the Holy Spirit. If you try to live for God without the Spirit of God, you're going to fail. Can't make it. Because the Holy Spirit is the power, the ability that you receive to handle whatever the flesh is trying to bring your way. Since Pentecost, the day of Pentecost, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit has been available to all faith-filled, born-again believers. God sent his Spirit to indwell us after he ascended to heaven. His Spirit comforts us. His Spirit guides us to know truth. His Spirit reminds us of the Word of God. His spirit convicts us when we disobey him. His spirit instructs us to speak the right words. And his spirit empowers us to do good. That's just some things, just right off the top of my head, studying the word of God that the Holy Ghost will do for us. Comfort us. Guide us to know truth. Reminds us of the word of God. Convicts us when we are doing wrong. Instruct us to speak the right words and empower us to do good. Because without the spirit. Did you know the Bible says there's only one good and that's God. So for us to really be good. We can only be good by what God says do. If you think you can be good by on your own. It will never work. When you do what God says, that's when you begin to do good. But if you do what you think is good, you're not really doing good. When the Bible says walk in the spirit, it means by keeping the spirit, keep on walking. It means walking or living every moment, interacting and being guided by the Spirit. 
He is always present, but we must be in touch with him and stay open to his guidance and correction. When you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, he's always present. But how much do we interact with him? How much do we ask him? All right, God, will you guide me? How much do we talk to him and say, hey, Lord, what's going on here? How much do we interact by just saying, Lord, let me just give you the praise right now for I just want to honor you, Lord. I just want you to know how much I adore you and how much I appreciate you. I just want you to know I love you, Lord. I just want you to know you're the greatest thing that ever happened to me, Lord. I just want you to know that no matter what I go through, no matter what I'm challenged with, no matter how much suffering I have to deal with, I still want you and you're still the best thing that ever happens to me. I love you, Lord. When do we get the time or take the time to just begin to interact with the Lord that way? We don't have to need anything from him. Just begin to interact with the Lord. And when you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, you want to interact with him all the time. For that's how we're going to walk in the spirit if we interact with him all the time. But if we put him on the side burner and keep doing what we want to do in the flesh, then what normally happens as Christians is we try to do things on our own. Not consult with him. And as soon as it's wrong, because it will, all of a sudden we say, hey, hey, Lord, hey, Lord, are you there? Lord, are you there? I can't feel you. And if the Lord wants to be straightforward with us, he just say, you were just doing all that you want. You were ignoring me. I was on the side burner. You paid me no mind. And as soon as you got jammed up, now you got to call me to get you out of the jam. How fair is that to the Lord that we ignore him all the time, no interacting with him, no walking in the spirit. But as soon as we get jammed up, what I'm telling you tonight, if we don't walk by the spirit of God, you are sure enough going to get jammed up. You're sure enough going to bring troubles in your life. You're sure enough going to experience some things that you can't control. I know there's sometimes I'm going to need God to get me out of jam. But you know what I hope? which is not always the case. I hope that whatever jam I got in is just part of the process of my walk in Christ and not something I brought in my life. Living this life, you're going to have challenges. You're going to encounter situations. And so that's fine. But I know that when I encounter those situations, if that's just me being on my journey and walking the walk with him, when those things come, I know for sure that he will handle them. But when I bring them in my life, that get me a little concerned. Get me a little concerned. He's always present. But we need to interact with him if we're going to walk in the spirit. Walking in the spirit takes effort. That, that's what we got to realize. Walking in the spirit takes effort. And, and again, church, I can't say this enough. I can't say this enough. Here is application conversation for you. Because we are in 2021 and all has, that have transpired in our world up to this point, we are falling in the clutches of everything needs to be easy for us. 
because that's just the way the world is right now. We want everything to be easier. We want everything to be simple. We want everything to be at the push of a button. And that kind of spills over into our Christian walk. And so what what are the reasons why we're not seeing a lot of the demonstration of the power of God is because we're not interacting with God. And we're not interacting with God because we're falling prey to just now living for God really, you know, easy. We want things to be easy because we kind of got caught up in that in the world. And so how do we live in this world and live for God the way God wants us to live for him? By walking in the spirit, which takes effort, interacting constantly with him. You follow what I'm saying? Prayer, prayer and devotion constantly in our life is a way to interact with him constantly. We must make the effort to interact with the Holy Spirit. There are things we must do to engage God and allow him to engage us. And this requires effort. This is why when we come into the house of the Lord, church. I'm praying for the day. When we come in and somebody just get up in the back and just start worshiping the Lord. Nothing special went on. Nobody sang. Nothing special. Somebody just get up and start worshiping because the Spirit of God has just moved them to just worship the Lord. Because when you start to worship, you're interacting with God. You're engaging with him and things will begin to happen in your life. But if we just hear the word, but we never interact, we never make the word become living in our life, then we're missing out on what it is to walk in the spirit. Daily prayer and devotion will put us in the frame of mind to walk with him throughout the day. Constant interacting with him makes one agreeable to his will. Sometimes we hear the word of God and it tells us in a clear manner what we should be doing. But because we're not having constant engagement or interaction or fellowship with him, guess what? We don't do what we hear. Because we're in the flesh and the flesh is not in agreement. The flesh is not in agreement with the word of God. And so sometimes you hear the word of God come forth, but if you're not walking in the spirit, if you're not interacting, then you're not going to receive that word because in your mind, that, 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 that's not that important. That is not that serious because our flesh tells us that it doesn't take all of that. That's one of the most famous things the flesh tells us. It doesn't take all of that. You want to hear something funny? Learn this about your flesh. Learn this about your flesh. Exercising is very difficult for if you're really exercising. We usually never want to exercise. The flesh tells you, ah, eh. 
But here is the secret. If you ever did a little bit of exercise, you are lying to yourself if you don't come to realize that made me feel better. Think about that now. Just thinking about exercise. The time you got to put in, the effort you got to put in. No, no, no. But if you just push beyond that and says, well, I need to exercise. I tease my daughter all the time. I says, get the blood flowing, girl. Move around. And so the bottom line is when you go and exercise, when you're done, your body begins to talk to you and say, that's good. I feel good. I feel good. And so that's what you got to learn about your flesh, that if you listen to it, it won't tell you the truth. Won't tell you the truth. But when you make it do what it's supposed to do, it don't have a choice but to confess the truth. That's something going on in the spiritual. There's something going on in the spiritual. If you listen to your flesh, it will never tell you the right thing. But when you force it to do what it needs to do, it doesn't have a choice but to confess. You're, You're right. It's the same thing in the spirit. You never want to engage spiritual things. But when you finally push yourself and you begin to worship God, when you push yourself and you begin to praise God, you're going to have to confess that, oh, my God, he is real. I know Jesus is real. For I have felt his power in my life when I lift my hands and I begin to worship him. When I open my mouth and I begin to call on his name, something happens and I know he's real. I know. But if we never do it, we will never know it. And we push ourselves beyond what we always feel like doing because your feelings is deceptive and it will always lie to you because the flesh and the spirit is not going to be on the same page we need the spirit working in us philippians 2 and 13 says for it is god which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure if you're going to accomplish anything In the kingdom of God, it's God that's working in you to do his will. You cannot do God's will on your own. It must be done by the working of the Holy Spirit within your life. And Philippians 2 and 13 tells you that. When we become born again Christians, our sinful nature still exists. It didn't go anywhere. But God asked us to place our sinful nature under the control of the Holy Spirit. Remember, the Holy Spirit is powerful. So don't think it's not, you're not able to, to, to put your flesh under subjection or under control of the Holy Ghost. Don't think that because the Holy Ghost is powerful. It's due to his power. So if you trust in the Spirit of God and you depend on the Spirit of God and you let the Spirit of God have his way in your life, then all that you're struggling with and dealing with will be under subjection. But you got to know that about the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is powerful. Uh huh. We must never underestimate the power of the Holy Ghost. 
But we also got to realize that our sinful nature is always rearing its head up, trying to overtake you, trying to get the stronghold in your life. Satan is crafty and our flesh is deceptive. Instead of trying to overcome sin by our own will, we must take advantage of the tremendous power of the Holy Ghost that's dwelling in us. Sometimes we're so accustomed to doing things on our own and depending on our own abilities that we're dealing with things and we're going through things and we forget to stop and interact with the Holy Ghost. We're going through stuff, and instead of we stop and says, all right, all right, all right, God, help me to get this understanding here. Show me what I need to do. God, will you help me? Or just, just flat out, just go ahead and just worship him because you want to interact. You want to get direction from the Holy Spirit. But a lot of times stuff is happening, and we just, just start doing things that we know how to do. And remember what I said, what the scripture tells us, that the flesh will never lead you to anything godly. Your flesh will never lead you to anything godly. It will only lead you to damage your soul. That's what your flesh will do. Nothing godly. Damage your soul. God provides for victory over sinful nature, but our ability to restrain the desires of the sinful nature depend on how much we're willing to live by the Spirit of God. For each believer, this daily process requires moment-by-moment decisions with constant interacting with the Holy Spirit and prayer to put our flesh under subjection. Listen, humans are flawed. I don't know why this has been coming up as a topic in my in, in, in my times of sharing with you but humans are flawed and our flaws will be highlighted if we do not walk in the spirit of God we are flawed and even when we are born again of the water and of the spirit and we talk in tongues and we are holy and all we're still flawed the Holy Spirit will cover up a lot of your flaws if you walk in the Spirit. (laughs) Because of our fallible human condition, we must be able to identify and self-evaluate our spiritual condition. Since we know we're flawed, we should always evaluate and identify our spiritual condition. Like a navigator uses a map and a compass to stay on course, so we must use these identifiables characteristic to put ourselves back on a proper spiritual course. So say we are off course spiritually. Well, how do you know you're off track spiritually? You need to know that when you're off track spiritually. And so here is what I would say. How about I show you when you're on track spiritually so you know when these things are not going on, automatically you know you're off track. I won't tell you about all the things that show up when you're off track. That's too many. I'll tell you what shows up when you're on track. Galatians 5.22. When you're on track, when you're spiritual, 
when you're walking in the spirit. Galatians 5.22. But the fruit of the spirit is love. So when you're on track, when you're walking in the spirit, love is flowing from your life. Love is flowing from your life. What is love? Love is when you sacrifice whatever it takes. Listen to me. Love is when you sacrifice whatever it takes to benefit the one you say you love. When you do whatever it takes to benefit the one you love. For God so loved the world that he went through a whole lot of stuff and still people still talking about him today. How can he be God and still be man? And he went through all of that. Instead of we focus on what, <laughs> oh God. Instead of us focusing on the love of God, we're, we're, we're quarreling, trying to have um, debates about how can God be God and still be man. When all we know is God so loved the world that he came into this world and manifest himself as a human. That's, that's how much he loved us. And so that tells you God does whatever it, it took. He did whatever it took to benefit us because he said he loved us. And so now if we're going to mimic his love, when you say you love somebody, will you do whatever it takes? Whatever it takes to benefit the one you love. So if you want to know you're walking in the spirit, love needs to be flowing from your life. Then joy. People need to see that you have joy. People need to see that you have peace. People need to know that you are long-suffering. People need to know you are gentle. People need to know you are good. Because you're demonstrating the goodness of God. You need to demonstrate faith, meekness, temperance. When those things are flowing in your life, you know you're walking in the Spirit. When those things are absent from your life, then you know you're not walking in the Spirit. How about that? I made it easy for you. So investigate your life. Look into your life and say, am I walking in the spirit or am I in the flesh? Because if I don't see joy, if I don't see peace, if I don't see goodness, if I don't see faith, if love is not flowing, I mean, all of this stuff, long suffering and gentleness, if those things are not flowing in my life, then guess what? I'm in the flesh. Too often we convince ourselves that our choice to live for God was one and done. The reality is we make choices whether to walk in the spirit every day or not. We think that by, the, by us surrendering and saying, I want to be saved, I want to give my life to God, that the day you get baptized in the name of Jesus Christ, you get filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, and now you have surrendered your life to God, you felt like, oh man, this is good. But that's just the beginning. It's not the end all be all. You have to wake up every day and make the decision every day to say, now that I'm a child of God, I must walk in the spirit and not live in the flesh. 
Every day. Not just, oh, I'm saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost filled. I hear you. You walk in the spirit or in the flesh. Because I know the Bible says that if we live by the flesh, then we cannot please God. So what good is it that I'm born again, Holy Ghost filled, fire baptized, with Jesus on my side, but I'm walking in the flesh? Anyone who has ever tried to lose weight knows that what we eat is a deliberate decision. We must make several times a day, not just one time a day. If we are going to walk in the spirit, we're going to have to make decisions continuously every day. Just like people that are dieting. Our choices will be reflected in the success or failure of our weight loss goal with all the choices that we make. And so it is in us doing what we do to lose weight. There's some similarities there in us trying to walk in the spirit or remaining in the flesh. The deliberate choices we make daily to walk in the spirit may not be so obvious. The choice could be something subtle, like making unsolicited remark to someone. So some of the choices we make throughout a day is when we talk to people and what we say to them. And that can tell you if you're walking in the spirit or in the flesh. Speaking is not an automatic function like breathing. We have the ability to choose to speak positively into someone's life or negatively in someone's life or just stay silent. But those are choices that we make each and every day. If we're walking in the flesh, we say negative things. But if we're walking in the spirit, we're going to say encouraging godly things to people. Motivational speaker Anthony Robbins said, the way we communicate with others and with ourselves ultimately determines the quality of our lives. Even more true is the way we communicate with God. This determines the quality of our spiritual life. So depending on what you're talking about, we'll tell you where you are spiritually if you're walking in the flesh or you're walking in the spirit how you communicate with God because it's hard to communicate with God and treat people terrible it's hard to communicate with God and just don't care about people it's hard to communicate with God and don't worship him and don't praise him and don't honor him and don't acknowledge him in a, in a, in a way where, where he knows that you're acknowledging him The fact that God desires to commune with us can be seen in the narrative of Adam and Eve in the garden. Uh huh. So communication 
fellowship with one another was from the very beginning. God said it's not good that man should be alone. And God had fellowship with mankind from the very beginning. So how we interact and treat one another tells if we are walking in the spirit or we are in the flesh. The expression garbage in, garbage out may seem cliche, but it's true. Mm -hmm. For years, people have debated the effects of watching violent acts in video games and movies. Many believe graphic depiction have desensitized people, thus increasing the number of violent acts carried out in real life. Got to be careful what we put in our heart, what we take in. You know what I always say, even if there's some things that's borderline that you probably don't have, shouldn't be looking at or shouldn't be watching or whatever the case may be, put more God in than you put in of that stuff. Unfortunately, many of us put more of that stuff in than we put God in. And that really is going to cause us big problems. We must feed our minds with the word of God. If proper nutrition is important to maintain good health for the physical body, then the same is true to the spirit. Proper nutrition. Every day, we are bombarded with advertisement on billboards displaying inappropriate behavior or immodest dress. How can we resist the temptation these bring if we do not mentally ingest the word of God? You cannot combat all the stuff that you're up against as a Christian in this world if you're not putting enough of God in you. If you're not interacting with God constantly, you will not be able to withstand. Fellowship with with other believers is important. Very important in maintaining a healthy walk in the spirit. We need fellowship with one another. That's part of interacting with the spirit of God. I see it all the time. If we will get together and we will share with one another and talk about the word of God, we will learn stuff. If we will interact with one another, we will learn stuff because God, he is so good at his job. And what he did was he made sure that nobody had everything. But that he just dispersed gifts and talents to everyone that in order for us to ever be really good at what we do, we had to get together with others. That, that's a strategic plan of God. He made sure you can't be good by yourself. Strategic. And when you're, for you to be at your best, you need others. For them to be at their best, they need others. And so God strategically did that. And so what that means is when we get together, I don't care if you think I'm dumb. I don't care if you think somebody not smart. I don't care where the education level is. If we're all in Christ 
and we are really engaging and having fellowship with God on a regular basis, I guarantee you something is going to come out of somebody's mouth that you're going to say, Woo, that's pretty good. I didn't know that. Didn't think about that. Because God did it that way. Where the, the least you are around people, the least you know. Let me even take a step. What you will read in books, what you will read in magazines, what you will hear on the news, what you get by artificial sources will not give you the same as when you and people come together. Because God knows what he's doing. And because God knows what he's doing, he, he established this thing where we need to come together to get what we need. This is why he says, fail not to assemble yourselves. And he talk about, you know, how we ought to interact with one another, love one another. All these things that he tells us, we can't do them unless we come together. So the, when, when you are just never being around people, you're lacking a whole lot that you don't even know you're lacking. We need to come together. If we want to fulfill our potential, we have to be together. We have to get around each other. We have to have exchange and dialogue. We have to allow the gifts and talent that God has placed in us to flow out of us so others can be blessed from it and vice versa so you can be blessed from others. And the more we stay away, the more we stay by ourselves. Remember I told you this. Staying away from the body of Christ is selfish. For everybody that thinks they can go to, you know, we talk to people and they think that, well, I know I got a relationship with God. I know I love God, blah, 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 blah. But they never come. I don't need a church to be saved. I can get in a lot of deep stuff, but I'm just going to I'm just going to use general terms to get you to understand. When you stay to yourself, you are selfish, which means you're not Christ-centered. Well, you, why are you saying that, preacher? Because God has equipped you with stuff that the church is not getting when you're absent. <laughs> hey! Hey! You never thought about that, huh? It's all right. That's how we're doing Bible study tonight. When you stay away from the body of Christ, you are being selfish and God is not pleased because God equipped you with talents and abilities that he placed you in that local congregation to be a blessing to others and for others to be a blessing to you. So when you don't show up, what happens is other people miss out on what God has placed in you because how are they going to get it? I know you didn't think about that, but these are the kind of wisdom that God will share with me for me to understand some things. Old time preachers used to preach about this, but they used to preach about it and make you mad. <laughs> what old time preachers say, you don't come to church, you're going to hell. That's what old time preacher would tell you. Oh, okay, let the rapture come and you don't be in church. You're going to hell. I can't go that far. But what I am telling you is when you're not present, you're being selfish. And I know selfishness cannot be okay with God. Right? So that's all I'm going to tell you for you to chew on tonight and think about it. Because the bottom line is, I don't care. Don't, you might have low self-esteem. 
and think you don't have something to offer. Well, let me just clear it up real quick. You have plenty to offer because God designed you a certain way for you to have something to offer to the people. He will put you around so you don't have to cry wolf anymore. Talk about, oh, it's lowly me. I'm not that intelligent. Be quiet. God gave you what he wanted to give you for you to share with the body. So take away that excuse now and stop telling people that you're not that smart and you're not equipped like them and you can't do this. God's not calling you to do what somebody else do. He's calling you to do what he equipped you, you, you to do, not somebody else. So the moment you start to say, well, I'm not this and I'm not that, God is standing here like, so I guess... I made somebody for no reason. Woo, now you're messing with God. Now you're insulting God's intelligence when you talk about you, you can't do this and you can't do that. Now you're insulting God's intelligence because now you're saying God made you useless. Let me stay away from you because I am not going to tell my God he made me and I'm useless. He didn't make anything useless. Everything, even the ant is useful we don't see the use of the cockroach but even the cockroach is useful so the bottom line is there is nothing that god create that's useless so when you start thinking you're useless and so it doesn't matter whether you go to church or not you get got to get that part straight now because god equipped you with abilities and talent to share in the body Walk in the spirit. I'm almost done. There's no shortcuts to walk in the spirit, church. Again, we're living in a time where we always feel like we need everything to be easy, a whole lot simpler. And so we let that flow into the church and God is saying, no, 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 no. My church will be my church, and the way I want my church to operate is not the way I want the world, the way the world operates is not going to be the way my church operates. No, 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 no. And so there's no shortcut to being spiritual, walking in the spirit. You have to do it the way God said do it. It will require prayer and devotion to walk in the spirit. It will require fasting. It will require yielding oneself to the word of God and the spirit. It will require church attendance. It will require fellowship with other believers. It will require praise and worship and faith. It's no shortcut. This is why we should never, ever be jealous of each other. God gave us all individual talents and abilities, so don't be jealous Whatever God made you, God look at you just as important as the next person. So no need to compare our talents and ability. You might see it out of your eyes and think the other person's talent is more significant than yours, but that's your view, not God's view. God don't look at anyone's talent more because he dealt, he gave out the talents and abilities. And we know God is just. So don't you look around and think somebody's talent and ability is more important than yours. No, what God gave you, it's significant to God. Use it. There's no shortcut. We're all going to have to go the same route. Huh. Israel. Being led out of Egypt. No shortcut. 
He always give us a natural. Um, <laughs> he always give us a natural example to first understand spiritual. Israel, there was no shortcut. As a matter of fact, they went the long way that seemed just crazy. Why are we going this way? Well, why can't we just cut up here and go down this way? Why we got to go this long way? And then now we got we come to this Red Sea and we, that Red Sea is so wide. How, this is just too much. There's no shortcut in walking in the spirit. There's no shortcut in living for God. We just got to live the way he says and not compare what we're doing in Christ with what's going on out in the world. I don't care how good Apple and Google and everybody else is and Elon Musk and all of these smart. I don't care how smart they are. They got their mind from the creator, the Lord Jesus Christ. They ain't smarter than my God. He gave them what they got. So don't get deceived in thinking all these intelligent people that is creating all of these things that seems, you know, so incredible. That, whoa, they can't, they can't touch my God. So there's no shortcut in this thing. There are no shortcuts in walking in the spirit. And so I'm going to close here. One of the most challenging physical feat a human will face is running a grueling 26.2 miles marathon. A person cannot simply wake up and decide to go and participate in a marathon. Prior planning and preparation are essential in order to succeed at this task. According to Runner's World magazine, someone who wishes to run a marathon should plan on training 16 to 20 weeks in advance for the marathon. This person also must start out in small increments of distance in order to build up stamina, running three to five days a week steadily, increasing the distance as the day of the event approaches. The magazine also states the person should take every other day to engage in some other form of exercise in order to allow the legs proper rest and recovery. While physical training is important, nutrition is another major factor in the success of running a marathon. People who are training for a marathon cannot just eat anything they desire. These are some things I think about when I'm trying my best to live for God. I'm thinking about how people are dedicated, committed, and disciplined to do stuff like running a marathon. And a lot of times running a marathon is just what we like to call them. Um, um, no. Um, on your list. What is it called? Bucket list. Some people run a marathon because it's on their bucket list. They're not running a marathon for no reason because marathons are just, you know. It's one thing to just run every day to stay fit, but running a marathon is usually a bucket list. Not unless you're competing for some kind of things like the New York Marathon or Boston Marathon, but most people that runs the marathon, they're doing it because it's on their bucket list. But they go through all of that training and all of that discipline. The key is having a good nutrition 
and proper hydration. Not only do hydration and nutrition aid in the in the body recovery from the rigors of training, but they are also they also help prepare and fuel the body for grueling efforts of the marathon itself. Listen to this. Also mentioned is the necessity for proper running shoes. And listen to this. This was a shocker to me. I didn't know this. And well cushioned socks. So I didn't know they had special socks. I knew I knew sneakers had to running shoes had to be special. Didn't know socks had to be special. But when you're running a marathon, 26.2 miles, socks got to be right. In all, training for a marathon requires proper training, hydration, nutrition, and equipment. Walking and living by faith are similar to running a marathon. <laughs> Paul even used a long distance run as a metaphor for Christian living. Throughout scripture, we see how proper spiritual preparation will enable us to successfully traverse the obstacles of life. When we pray, study the word of God and regularly serve in our local church, we are engaging in the things that keeps us walking in the spirit. Being led by the Spirit involves the desire to hear and having the readiness to obey God's word so that you can discern between feelings and God's prompting. We've got to be careful that spirit, that, that feeling is not leading us. We want the Spirit of God to lead us. Live each day controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit. Then the words of Christ will be in your mind. The love of Christ will be behind your actions and the power of Christ will help you control your selfish desires. So how are we going to walk in the spirit? God, help us to apply the word of God tonight that we may know how to walk in the spirit. And here we go. First Corinthians chapter two, verse 14. Watch this. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God. You hear that? When you are in the flesh, you are not receiving anything of the spirit of God. Because when you're in your flesh, the things of the spirit are foolishness to you. Neither can you know them because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judge of no man. Let me tell you what that scripture means. When you allow yourself to be judged by the Holy Spirit, then guess what? You don't have to worry about anybody judging you. <laughs> when you walk in the Spirit, you examine yourself every day. Am I walking in the Spirit or am I in the flesh? And if every day you examine yourself, if you're in the Spirit or not, you don't have to worry about anybody judging you because you've already been judged by the Spirit. Remember, I said you've been judged by the Spirit. You can't judge you and you can't judge anybody else. Only the Spirit of God can judge. Did you miss that? We can't judge. We are not equipped to judge because if we're judging without the spirit, we're judging according to the flesh. And the flesh is not capable to judge anything the right way. 
So the only way we can judge is by the spirit having preeminence judging for us. So when we pray and we say, search me, O Lord, you're judging yourself by asking the Holy Ghost, God Almighty, to judge you right now. Show me, Lord, what is wrong with me. Show me where I'm defiled. Show me where I'm messed up. Judge me now, Lord, and show me the errors of my ways and teach me how to correct them. If you do that every day, it doesn't matter what anybody else say. Because you already asked God that morning to judge you. And when you ask God to judge you every day, by the time the real judgment comes, you should be all right. Because every day you ask him to judge you, and he will show you the errors of your ways every day. And every day he shows it to you. Then you say, God, show me how to overcome, or show me how not to live this way anymore. So by the time his time comes for you to spend eternity with him, you're pretty good. Because you was judging yourself. The Holy Ghost was judging you every day. You were asking the Holy Ghost, judge me today. Judge me. Judge me. Don't be afraid to be judged by the Holy Ghost. Because you want to be judged now rather than when it's too late. For who, look at this, for who had known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? Nobody can. But we have the mind of Christ. How do we have the mind of Christ? When the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the mind of Christ is dwelling in you. When the Holy Spirit dwells in you, the mind of Christ dwells in you. And that's why you can pray every day, Lord, search my heart. Lord, show me the evil that's in me. Lord, show me the ungodliness and the unrighteousness that is in me. Lord, show me the nastiness of my flesh. And help me, Lord God, to be able to overcome them. Help me, Almighty God, not to do those things because I want to be pure in heart. I want clean hands. I want a right spirit. I want a right attitude. I want to please you. And I can't do it in my flesh. I can only do it by the Spirit of God. God, by having faith, God help me tonight. And so if we're going to walk in the spirit, that's the way we're going to have to do it. We can't walk in the spirit any other way. The first thing we must make sure we can secure is we must receive the infilling of the Holy Spirit for God to dwell in us. When God dwell in you, he can enable you to do what you can't do by your own abilities. That's why we need the infilling of the Holy Ghost. Because what the Holy Ghost can do in us, we can't do by ourselves. Let's stand. Walk in the Spirit, and we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Because the flesh will defile you. The flesh is filthy. The flesh cannot please God. It's just a fact. And be careful of the flesh because the flesh don't always start out doing really heavy, bad things. You know, it's like people start out using drugs. They never usually go straight to cocaine. They usually start on something light. 
And when that's not giving the high that you need, you add something else to it. Before you know it, you keep adding and adding and adding. Before you know it, you're in deep drug use. But you never started out there. And so the flesh is deceptive. The flesh start out making you think, ah, this is no big deal. And this is why you have to pray every day. Lord, show me the errors of my way. Lord, show me what is wrong in my life, in my heart. Lord, show me the things that I must overcome. And you will eventually work your way through. Walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of your flesh. The flesh will destroy you. If you allow the flesh to control your every move, it will destroy you. Let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we're thankful for your word. But God, as we prayed before we started Bible study tonight, we're praying again asking that you teach us how to apply the knowledge that we have received here tonight. For Lord, it's one thing for us to hear the word of God, to receive the knowledge of God, but it's a whole different thing, Lord God, to apply the word of God, the knowledge of God in our life, that we can live out what you have instructed us. Lord, we confess to you tonight that we are ill-equipped sometimes, Lord God, to live out the word of God. Sometimes we're ignorant in the way we have conceived or discerned your word, Lord God. But tonight we're asking that you will, by your spirit, help us to understand your word. Help us to discern your word. And now instruct us, almighty God, how to live out the word, how to apply the word of God in our life, Lord Jesus, that we become doers of it, that the word of God takes part of our life, that it becomes a part of us, and we can walk in the spirit that we will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. I pray tonight, Almighty God, that what transpired here tonight, the impartation of the word of God, the help of the Holy Ghost, Lord God, that somebody's life will be changed. That somebody, Almighty God, will go deeper into you. That somebody, Almighty God, will become a doer of your word and not just a hearer only. That somebody will begin to walk in the Spirit and allow the Spirit to be the controlling guide in their life, Almighty God. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I pray that your power will reign supreme in us and over us, Lord God. That the Holy Spirit, Lord God, will have the preeminence, Lord Jesus. Oh God, have your way in our hearts, individually and collectively. Have your way in our hearts. Have your way in our thoughts, Lord God. Allow us to walk by your Spirit, Lord God. In the Spirit, Lord God, and not according to our flesh. I pray the blessings of God upon this congregation tonight for those that are here in person and for those that have joined us, Lord God, via virtual connection, Lord God. Will you move in their life and in their home and in their heart like never before and help them to walk in the Spirit that they will not the lust of the flesh. I pray tonight, Lord God, for your favor upon this congregation. For Lord, you will open the door of opportunity for us to continue to serve you and to do your will, Almighty God. That you will open the doors of provision
provision, Lord God, that you will provide what we need exceeding, abundant, and above all that we can ask or think. I pray tonight that as we go to our respective place of dwelling, that your hand continue to be upon us. Your will will be done, Lord God, and all that we will do for the next few days, Lord God, that you will guide us and lead us. Bless our ladies' meeting tomorrow night, Lord. Bless our multicultural meeting Saturday, Lord God. For your will to be done, we pray and ask, Lord God. We thank you tonight, Lord, and praise you. We honor you and bless your holy name, for there is none like you. We thank you tonight for speaking to our hearts and for speaking to our minds and for blessing us, Lord God. We give you the praise and the honor, Lord God. We bless your name. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, you alone are worthy. You alone are worthy of the praise and the honor. Oh, blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of Jesus. Come on, let's give the Lord some praise and thank him tonight. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. We love you, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Jesus, have your way. Have your way. Don't forget tomorrow night, 7 p.m. here. And we have a baptism at 6 p.m. See a baptism tomorrow. Meet us here. We're going down the street to do a baptism. Meet us here early if you would like. When we have a baptism tomorrow, join us. God bless you. Have a great evening. Thank you for being here.